When you picture an apron, what scene do you imagine? A grandmotherly figure covered in flour, a 1950s housewife with perfectly coiffed hair, or maybe a blacksmith forging metal in the fire, or a Civil War nurse wearing her white apron on the battlefield. Worn around the world, spanning centuries and economic divides, aprons are direct ties to our personal and collective memories, providing historical insights into where we've been and where we're heading. Join us as we explore aprons over time in the McFadden Ward House's new podcast, 1906 McFadden Ave. Hi, and welcome to 1906 McFadden Ave, a podcast where we connect the people, places, and things of 1906 McFadden Ave to a greater historical context. explore the stories of Southeast Texas as a way to understand how our community got to now. I'm Kara Timberlake, and I am the Communications and Marketing Manager at the McFadden Ward House. And I'm Rihanna Heft, the Director of Educational Programming. The significance of our site is that the house was owned by one family over the course of 76 years, then transitioned to a museum upon the last owner's death in 1982. Everything in our collection belonged to the people who called this site home, which is about 35,000 artifacts. And this house provides a place for important community conversations. Today we are highlighting the seemingly simple garment, the apron. We'll discuss changing attitudes toward gender norms associated with domestic work and how the apron was once connected to identity formation. Let's dive in. So Kara, when you think about aprons, what memory comes to mind? Do you have a special apron memory from your life? I do. So when I was a little girl, my mother would dress me up in one of her aprons, which would be big on my little girl self, and we would make dessert together. So I always, I think of aprons as the sentimental memory with my mom and me, and it also makes me a little hungry for brownies. (laughs) Okay, so I absolutely have zero memories of aprons. I've never worn one. I've never owned one. I don't remember my mom wearing one ever. I don't remember my grandmother wearing one when she would come visit and cook for us. Nobody wore one around the house for housekeeping. So I think it's interesting that I have zero memory and you have a childhood memory. But I think the fact that we have two very different experiences with aprons, that's part of the whole story. And it speaks to the complexity of this particular object. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So the apron's been around for a hot minute. They exist in the historical records of ancient civilizations, such as Egypt and Assyria. Priests and fertility goddesses, some men, some women, are depicted wearing the ceremonial garment in the imagery I've seen at least. And that connects to interesting gender changes of the object over time, which you're addressing momentarily, right, Kara? Yeah. So the hierarchy of the practitioners was specified according to their apron shape, their placement, the folds in the garment. And we've all heard about the fraternity organization known as the Masons, right? So George Washington was a member of the Masons. We have lots of imagery showing our very first president wearing a ceremonial apron. And especially there's one image from this 1870 lithograph. A link to this image, an interesting blog article about Washington's apron, is posted in our bibliography. So the apron's a pretty big deal. It really is. And we've talked about it before, but we've both discovered a new appreciation for the apron and what it signifies. So it serves as a symbol of evolution throughout the years, and changes are embodied by fabric, shape, verbiage, 
and the gender of the person wearing them. The apron is a complicated artifact. It was worn by the enslaved as well as the mistress of the home. It was worn by both the wealthy and those experiencing poverty. It was worn by both men and women throughout time, but then forgotten by many as a social movement made the garment irrelevant. So as Rihanna touched upon, aprons have been around for a while. People have been wearing aprons for various purposes for a long time. The apron traditions in the United States grew from customs in Western Europe. In our culture, aprons are often connected to the care and keeping of the home, family, even the ill, and are thought to be more of a female-dominated garment. However, peeking back into history, we see this isn't entirely accurate. Rihanna already mentioned ceremonial aprons, some of which were worn by men. Then there's the term apron men, which I never heard before, which signifies tradesmen in general. Aprons would have been common to several trades. Aprons were protective workwear for these tradespeople. Blacksmiths would have worn leather aprons. Tanners would often wear two layers of aprons, a thick sheepskin half apron tied at the waist, and over that, a leather apron, extending from the neck to the knees to help protect the tanner's flesh from the acidic bruise, aka urine, as Rihanna pointed out, used on animal hides. Fishermen needed protection from moisture and therefore also wore aprons. Some wore aprons of oilskin or aprons of heavy wool. Okay, so hey, Miss English Major, do you have a literature reference that we can tie to aprons? No pun intended. You know I do. So aprons are actually referenced in Charles Dickens' Our Mutual Friend. The fishmonger pulls off his hat and his men cleanse their fingers on their woolen aprons. Also, medieval tradespeople were distinguished by varied colors, patterns, and materials. Gardeners, spinners, weavers, and garbage men wore blue aprons. The butcher's apron had blue stripes. The cobbler's apron was black, while the stonemason wore white. We also have artisans, bakers, carpenters, woodworkers, butlers, and barbers, to name a few more often male-dominated professions. Okay, so we've heard about the guys. What about the ladies? Okay, so the ladies. The aprons were also worn by women as they milked cows, baked bread, and performed other domestic duties. And I think it's really important to emphasize that aprons would have been especially important because at this time, laundry was grueling work. Also, mass protection of clothing had not come into play yet, so the textile game was quite different from that of today. In the 1500s, the apron served as a status symbol for European elite women, many constructed of silk or other fine textiles imported from China and India. Through time, functional aprons for women were often plain, typically made of cotton or linen, and were meant to protect clothing. And as women began to work outside of the home for wages or for room and board, aprons were still a necessity. Nurses tended to wear dark-colored aprons to minimize washings. However, as hygienic standards increased, they switched over to white. Before wearing the white lab coats, we find symbolic for doctors, medical professionals used to wear white aprons. And for the women who worked in textile mills and other factories, they wore aprons to protect themselves from the dust. It's actually at the beginning of the 20th century in the U.S. that we see decorative aprons emerging, taking the place of aprons as protective garments. This would have been among the elite ladies whose privileged lifestyles afforded them the ability to showcase their financial and social status. 
contemporary association of the apron connected to this gendered work is a 20th century construct. The apron is often viewed as a tool of the domestic sphere, a place traditionally occupied by women, despite its utility in both public and private spaces. However, as strict gender norms relaxed post-second wave feminism, the garment became embraced by men in the kitchen or standing over the grill. We often think of the late 1940s and 1950s as the heyday of the apron, the uniform of the housewife. The post-World War II expectation for women was that they would return home after supporting the war effort in the factories. It was time for them to give up those jobs for those returning soldiers, have lots of babies, and return to normalcy. That's what everybody wanted, right? Well, of course not. Not all women embraced this revitalized cult of domesticity mandate. However, a great many women did, and they did return to the domestic sphere. Mid-20th century women did tend to marry earlier, birth rates increased, hello baby boomers looking at you, all while the post-World War II economy boomed. Yeah, and it's important to note the intentional targeting of women by advertisers, the media, and even the government, and perpetuating the idea that a woman's place was in the home during this time. So we have June Cleaver and Harriet Nelson making their television debuts in the 1950s playing the role of the dutiful mother while consistently outfitted in one of their many aprons. In advertisements during this time, specifically targeting women, included the apron-wearing housewife, who demonstrated this increased quality of life by utilizing whatever was advertised. Even the government perpetuated this idea that motherhood was a way to rebuke the threat of communism during the Cold War. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover stressed the importance of healthy mothering as a way to fight against, in quotes, the twin enemies of freedom, crime, and communism, in a 1956 speech. Mothers were expected to find fulfillment in their role within the family, resulting in this preservation of democracy ideal. That was the hope anyway. During this time, the apron was embraced as a uniform, which legitimized a woman's role as homemaker. Women often owned several decorative aprons, some of which matched her outfits or matched the placemats, if you can imagine. It wouldn't have been uncommon for women to wear the practical apron while bustling about in the kitchen getting food ready, and then exchange it for a decorated apron when greeting guests, which feels very symbolic. Yeah, perhaps symbolic, even performative in a way. Holes eventually appeared in the American Dream narrative. Betty Friedan lamented over, in quotes, the problem that has no name in her 1960 book, The Feminine Mystique. So Friedan reports that many housewives felt unfulfilled during this time in their role of wife and mother as they were subjected to these strict gender norms. The women's movement grew out of this unrest as women demanded a place in the public sphere and also institutional and societal change during the 1960s and 1970s. The glorification of motherhood and housework waned, resulting in decreased popularity for the apron, which came to represent a bygone era. Aprons slowly passed out of memory for many women. Then in the 1980s and 1990s, aprons were almost all gender generic, functional, utilitarian. For example, workers at Chuck E. Cheese wore aprons. I know this because I was one of them. 16-year-old Rihanna wore a little blue apron over her khaki shorts as she delivered pizzas and hosted birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese for her first job. Do we have any photos from this sacred time in your life? We do not. These photos do not exist in the historical record. Well, that that's quite a shame. <laughs> but I, I think this really explains your lack of apron memory as you were a child of the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, so thanks for telling everybody how old I am. That's fabulous. So I was raised by two working parents during the 70s and 80s. I must embrace my Gen Xness. However, I'm seeing this really interesting resurgence um, amongst Gen Zs and millennials, um, evidenced by the many vintage options available on both Etsy and eBay. 
honestly, I can't imagine ever owning an apron. It's not something that will ever be part of my wardrobe because my kitchen is for decorative purposes only. Maybe that's why. So what about the McFadden ladies? We've had quite a few discussions ourselves about whether or not they would have worn aprons, and we actually made an interesting discovery in our archives. So would you like to talk a little more about that? Yeah, this was really interesting. So while preparing for our current exhibit, Apron Strings, the curatorial team poked around to see if we had any aprons in our collections, and we do. So I thought it would be great to have our curator of collections, Victoria Tamaz, tell us a little bit about what they found. Thanks for joining us, Victoria. So tell us what's in our collections. Thanks for having me. Uh, Julianne, our McFadden Ward House Collections assistant, and I were looking to see if the McFadden women had any aprons, and if so, what they looked like. Uh, We found a handful of aprons consisting of different fabric types and styles, including nylon, linen, and cotton. There is a light pink nylon apron that's Saks Fifth Avenue and a multicolored floral print apron that's circa 1950s. Uh, We also found a staff uniform and accessories in our collection. One such apron is made of white linen with some embroidered cutwork. These are currently displayed in our visitor center. And so we assume that those first aprons that you mentioned, that those would have been Mamie's aprons, correct? Yes, we believe so. Um, It created a conversation about whether or not Mamie or Ida would have worn these aprons in a functional sense, or if they were merely decorative. Or perhaps even both. Perhaps both, yes. By the way, we found a few photos in our collection representing our ladies wearing aprons. One photo is of Ida feeding the chickens in a pinafore. That image is also included on our website. I've heard stories from our docents about how Mamie and Ida would often clean some of their more expensive china, or perhaps china that had more of a sentimental value, after large events. I imagine aprons were part of this endeavor. I agree with you. I love how researching for... Not only this exhibit, but also this podcast episode, it's really allowed us to get to know the McFadden ladies a little more, but also perhaps ourselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. That wraps up today's episode. Thanks for joining us for 1906 McFadden Ave. invite you to view our current exhibit, Apron Strings, Ties to the Past, on display until January 7th, 2022, in the McFadden House Carriage House. Our apron memories, or lack thereof, are part of mine and Kara's lived experiences. We hope you'll share your thoughts and apron memories when you visit the exhibit. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, you can reach us at mcfaddenwardhouse at gmail.com. Be sure to follow along on social media to learn about our upcoming events and catch behind-the-scenes action. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode where we'll explore holiday traditions. Thanks for joining us. A special thank you to our curator, Victoria Tomas, for sharing her insight. We acknowledge Gina Manley and Virginia Trotter-Betts for their contribution to the book, Gotcha Covered, A Legacy of Service and Protection. And also Joyce Cheney, author of Aprons, Icons of the American Home. The exhibit, Apron Strings, Ties to the Past, was curated by Joyce Cheney and adapted for travel by Exhibits USA, a program of the Mid-America Arts Alliance. 1906 McFadden Ave is produced and edited by Todd Heft and presented by Kara Timberlake and Rihanna Heft. 
Music composed by Todd Heft and performed with Tom Diemer.